The reading today is from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Thanks, Shelley. I got a mic. You can hold on to that. Actually, we'll just put it here. I'll take it from you. Perfect. Thank you, Shelly, for the reading of that. A couple things before we get into this. Um, If you have a child that's kind of grade five and up still in the the room, or if one of you parents want to just grab one and take notes, we have these at the kids' uh, shore, kids' desk there, so you can grab one of those, and they'll kind of follow along and take some sermon notes. We wanted to present that for you as well, uh, for your kids to follow along. It is really important to us. It's one of those things that uh, part of that vision for me anyways, um, and you'll hear more about this if you stick around for the AGM, is that to have children here, is to have our kids here, to watch you, mom and dad, worship the Lord, uh, to watch uh, us sing and to partake in communion and to hear the word preached. My brother actually came to Christ at five years old, sitting in the gathering, and when the pastor said, anybody here would like to be a Christian, he puts his hand up, and my mom was like, put your hand down, what are you doing? And so it was, it's really important to me to have the kids here to, to, for you as parents uh, to be a part of that and for them to see you worshiping Jesus is incredibly important. All right, so my name is Jerem, one of the pastors here on staff, and we are in, as Shelley read, the book of Ephesians. We're going to be actually in Ephesians until probably come March-ish, uh, so we're going to be in this book for a long time, uh, so buckle up. All right, so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1 if you, haven't, if you have it there already or on your phone or app or whatever you use. But it's really important to see uh, the text in front of you. And so have that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, we might have some in the back and you can even borrow mine if you'd like. Uh, but if there's some in the back, please just go and take that. Uh, that is our gift to you. All right, let me pray for us and uh, let's continue to worship. Uh, Jesus, uh, I thank you so much for what you've done for us. I thank you for this text, this, uh, this scripture, this book that you wrote to uh, the Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. I thank you that we can learn and glean from it and really see who you are uh, today. And I pray, Lord, that you'll, um, that you'll use me despite me, that you'll uh, speak Uh, through me, through your word, to the people here that are gathered and also watching. Uh, Lord, I just pray with all my heart, I pray that um, you will reveal yourself um, in new ways to someone maybe here today um, to help them understand who you are and that they will surrender their life to you, Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I've entitled this section, the verses three through six, possession of the Father, the spiritual possession from the Father, um, with a greater theme through this book, as you can see on the screen, death to life. Uh, 
uh, I think the text will speak, like I guess why spiritual possession from the Father, I guess the text will speak to this idea as we slow down and just read through it together. And so let's take a look at verse three again and read through this together. So I, bore, I did borrow this theme, spiritual possession from the Father, um, but it is, oh man, it's so sweet. So look at verse three again with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul is saying something here very interesting in this text. Something that we need to see that we cannot ignore or miss. God is the God of Jesus. God is the Father of Jesus. The Father of Jesus, the God of Jesus. This is something that's really important. If you haven't seen this before, it's incredibly important to see in this text. And sometimes we just read over these kind of verses really quickly without actually asking any questions. But it says right there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the Father and God is the God of Jesus. And a lot of us, this doesn't make Jesus less than. This is really important to understand. It doesn't make Jesus less than. Oftentimes when we see uh, that word language father and child, we instantly in our minds go like this. Father, child. Or in another scenario, maybe it'd be marriage. And some of you are married here today and you go, and oftentimes we see leadership and helper or husband and wife. And I want to give you some ideas of what, this is, what is going on here. And this doesn't make Jesus less than, but it does show in this text that Jesus takes a role in the Godhead. He takes a role in the Godhead. When I say Godhead, it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so let me share these two examples that I've already uh, started explaining. The, the family, the father and child, and the husband and wife. And hopefully uh, through this we'll see some application uh, for all of us here as well. But first, the family. If you were a father here, if you were a father, um, you have been given a role in the family to live out the best you possibly can, to obey the will of command that God has given you, to live out what the scriptures have given us of how to be a father, to follow Jesus' footsteps. If you're a mother here, you have been given the commands of Scripture to mother like and follow the will of command that God has given us in Scripture to mother your children well. That's your role. If you're a child, which all of us are in some way or another a child, right? I'm a child of someone, right? You're a child of someone. So in some way we're, we're children. And in that role of being a child, you have been get, you're, you're called to live out your obedience the best you possibly can as a child by way of the will of command of God that is given to us in scripture. Now here's the key. Father, child, mother, equal. Equal, given a different role. Okay, we're going to hit this more when we come to chapter 6 in Ephesians, but I just wanted to hit this a little bit. Same thing with marriage. Like the family, there are roles within marriage. Husbands, your role is to never be like God the Father, but rather like God the Son, who perfectly humbled himself to serve and honor the church, to die for the bride, to die for the church. In other words, you are called as a husband to lead with a sacrificial 
humble heart to die to your kingdom of self for the sake of serving another's. Wives, ladies, you are never to fully image God the Father, but rather to take the role of helper. And helper is not a lesser role. God himself proclaims himself to be the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. With the task to humbly submit and undergird, which that's what help means, the helper, is to undergird your husband in his role, encouraging him in his role, thus fulfilling yours. And so husbands are to humble themselves. Wives are to humble themselves. We see this now. Both of us are to humble ourselves. You are called to do this with a humble heart for the sake of the other over the kingdom of self. So no one person, again, just like in the family unit, no one person is greater than another. You're equal, but yet different roles. Okay, each one of us, father, mother, child, have different roles given to us. This also works in our singleness. So men, you are called to serve and lead in the areas of life you have been placed in for the sake of God's glory in your singleness. Likewise, women, in your singleness, you are to serve and help as if helping the Lord for his glory. This is a practice to be godly in your singleness, to practice with your roommate, to practice with the people around you, to practice with the people that you love in this community, to practice with, the, with your enemy of surrendering your kingdom of self for the sake of another, serving and ultimately honoring Jesus as if you're working for him. It actually says that in Colossians 3.23. You can see it on the screen. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, that's that's broad statement. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So whatever you do, whether it's work, play, in your families, you're serving the person in front of you as if they're Jesus. That's on all of us. See, this is what Jesus is doing with the Godhead as the Son. He has taken the role of the Son and is fulfilling his role for God's glory perfectly, imaging the Father in his role. That's our task. See, the difference between Jesus and us is that he perfectly images the Father while we fall short, right? Like not one father in this room can go, Jer, I nailed it. Right? Not one father. And all the ladies are laughing. All right? And the mothers, too, you cannot say, I am perfect in my role. The children, you cannot say you're perfect in your role. You've failed. We've all failed. We've fallen short. But we ought to be proclaiming equality. We are equal while holding the specific role given by God. Not pointing out, hey, dad, or hey, mom, or hey, child, you're missing your role here. You're not fulfilling what you've done. Rather, looking at ourselves and going, How, what role am I to do? How am I to fulfill the role that God has given me? And part of that as father and mother is to help your children fulfill their role. So Jesus does claim perfection, though, but he also proclaims equality with God the Father. Here are two examples in Scripture on the screen. John 4. Uh, verse 9 or 14 verse 9 whoever has seen me has seen the father and then in Hebrews 1 3 it says he is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint 
of his nature. So again, more on this when we get to chapter 5. I'm excited to get there in chapter 6. But I wanted to share this to help you see that Jesus has taken the role he has within the Godhead and lives it out perfectly without grumbling or complaining, but with humility and purity of heart. So one last thing to notice before we move on, but notice at this point, the only connection that we have as children of the Father, the only connection we have, and we're not even children as of yet, but the only connection we have with the Father is but through Jesus in this text. That's the only connection we have to the Father. And that's really important to hold on to. But hold that for now. Look at, look at, let's look at verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think we're getting that. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So it is God the Father that blesses us in and through Jesus. Right? In and through Jesus Christ. That is where we get our blessing from, from the Father. And so uh, as we were singing, we were singing a lot of songs about the Father and his grace to us. And this is another text you can point to people and going, I don't want to believe in that Old Testament God that is so wrathful. This is that God. This is that God that has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Never forget that the fact that we are sinners, that God himself, the Father, blesses us. The creator God, the one that spoke the world into existence, not just blesses us, but blesses us through his own son who happened to humble himself to the Father to serve us. His creation. This is the mystery. This is what we see, the mystery of the gospel. Remember, God is perfect, perfectly content in and of himself. And he chooses to not only create, but bless his creation. And his choice of blessing is every heavenly spiritual blessing. Remember I mentioned a few Sundays ago, I was going to constantly remind you of who God is and introduce him over and over and over again. What does every spiritual blessing tell you about the giver? That he's generous. Church, we have a God who is generous. This week, many of you fulfilled, and Dale reminded us again in our announcements, you fulfilled the task that I put on you as a church to go out and invite someone for coffee or lunch or dinner. And many of you, I've heard so many story, cool stories from that. And please email me the stories. I love to hear them. It's such an encouragement to me of the church actually acting as the church, actually acting as family. So again, the same encouragement is on you again this week to find someone that you don't know quite yet, hear their story, and pray for them. And can you imagine if we all did that together and loved on each other in that way? This is the type of love that God has done for us, and you are imaging God the Father in that by being generous towards another. So keep going. So what is this spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? We touched on this a little bit last week, that the apostle was given authority over the demonic. Remember that was part of the being apostle. I explained who Paul was, what an apostle is. 
And this is similar. We're talking about spiritual blessings. Spiritual. There's something mystical here. Spiritual blessing that is going on here. And in the, as to be an apostle of Christ, there's four points. You have to be appointed and desired by Jesus. I think it's on the screen there. Yeah, to be with Jesus, sent to preach Jesus, and given authority by Jesus over the spiritual realm. Well, here, this text would then suggest that it wasn't just the apostle that was given authority over the demonic, but every saint in, within Jesus Christ. I say suggest because it does show this in other parts of scripture. Even in this book, if you flip over to chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. See, Paul is talking to the whole church of Ephesus here. It's not just Paul that proclaims this authority, but to the whole church. He's given the authority to the whole church. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourself to, therefore to God. Remember, in Psalm 23, we talked about David rightly humbling himself to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Humbly, and that's what our call to do. Just remember in marriage, humbly serve your wife. Undergird your husband, right? Humbly fulfill the role that you've been given. Again, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is authoritative language. Your submission to God and resistance makes the devil flee. We will get to the source of that power soon. But as we keep reading in the text that's before us, we see that Paul begins to unpack what these spiritual blessings are. Right at the start of verse 4, you can take a look at it in your Bibles. It says, even as, even as. This is a declaration, a revelation of what is to come, of what, is the, what are these spiritual blessings. And so take a look at it in verse 4. I'll read from verse 3 up. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What are these things? Even as he, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. So right away we ought to take notice of something. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about indicatives and imperatives. Like indicative is the power, imperative is living out of that power. We have four indicatives coming based on God the Father's decreed will. Remember I talked last week about the decreed will and the will of command. The will of decree, irresistible. The will of command, you can rebel against it. Right, so the will of decree is irresistible and these are the indicatives. First one, he chose us. He chose us. Before the foundation of the world. This is the power, the indicative. We don't do the choosing. He chooses us out of his goodness, his generosity, and his love for his creation. Our response, or the imperative then, in this text is to be holy and blameless. He chose you. Go and be holy and blameless. Why holy and blameless? Well, this unfortunately is the only way you can stand before the Father. It's the only way. See, when sin entered the, into creation in Genesis chapter 3, right at the beginning of your Bibles, 
God's kingdom, into God's kingdom, he had to banish sin. He had to banish it. He had to get rid of it because he can't, in his holiness, sin can't come in. It literally bounces off him. It's like that negative negativity with magnets. It just releases away from him. And so he had to banish the things that caused sin. And part of that was Adam and Eve. And he had to banish them from his presence. And they sinned with high frequency, causing division between themselves and between themselves and God. So God sends individuals. Part of this is God sends individuals now to be mediators of sorts to fulfill the reconciliation and reconcile his creation. So God wanted to reconcile what was going on. Sin entered into his creation. He had to banish that sin. And now he, has to re- he wants to reconcile that relationship just like why we fight for marriages. We want to reconcile the things that are good. And so we reconcile those things. And God is trying to reconcile this relationship and by, by bringing in a type of mediator. Some of these mediators were called uh, prophets. They would speak for God, thus saith the Lord, and they would literally speak the words of God, and they would share things and lead people towards God, but yet they failed. They started, lead, there's others, prophets, that would lead people away from God and away from, towards their own eternal kingdom or to please man. And so these prophets failed. Then there was these other mediators that were called priests, and these priests would lead spiritually. They were called to lead the people spiritually towards the worship of the only and true one and only God. But yet they failed. They started to lead people towards false gods and false idols and begin to uh, lead and direct the people of God towards the worship of idols, and they failed. And then there was these other mediators called kings, and they were to lead the people towards God and surrender to him and to worship him only. And yet they failed. So in God's providence, the father sent his son, Jesus, to be the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, and the perfect king. So to guide us to be holy and blameless so that we could be in the presence of the father. Remember, this, the whole concept here is to be holy and blameless in the presence of the Father. So in all of this, he is choosing his people. Not sure we will fully unpack this choosing. This is like the doctrine of election, right? So I'm going to give you a couple verses to just do your own study on, but we will maybe hit this sometime uh, in a class of some sort. But Uh, We won't be able to hit the full thing here in the next minute and 10 seconds. All right, so the doctrine of election in 60 seconds. All right, but I believe the Bible teaches that God does the choosing by the will of decree. Like he chooses, it's his choice, nothing to do with us. All right, in, in this text, but also in other texts, in Romans 8, 28 and 29, we see, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. You've heard this statement before, or this verse before, I'm sure. But the continuation of this verse, for those who are called according to his purpose. His purpose, not your purpose, his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
In Psalm 139, 15 and 16, it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, this is this crazy to me, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He knew everything you were going to do before you were even a creation. That's crazy to me. So God has chosen us before creation to be holy and blameless. Are you seeking after Jesus? Are you surrendering to Jesus, falling in love with Jesus and loving others because Jesus loves you? That's what we ought to be seeking after. Are you desiring to change your values to honor him and him alone? He is the one that chooses. We're called to just fall in right, humble position in our role as a servant of his. The second indicative is he loves. We'll just look at that, first, that end of verse four there. You'll see those first two words on that screen, he, in love. I'm just gonna stop there for now. But in love, we cannot do things for God to love us. He already loves us perfectly. This, for many, is hard to understand. I think the best worldly example of this love uh, before, he even, before we even knew him, like he intricately wove us, knew every single day that we were li- going to live out before we, we even knew him. The only, I think, we're earthly example, and maybe you fathers and mothers will understand this one a little bit, is the father and the mother before, be, be with an unborn child or a, a newborn child. Like when the child is born, there's an instant love towards them. For the father, there's this rush of excitement and also a rush of, oh my goodness, I have to provide for this little one. They can't do anything. They're just this blob. I have to provide for them now. I have to protect them because they can't protect themselves. And then for moms, this little child has given you nothing but pain, hormonal change, change of body, change of like weight gain, pain, sickness, and then hours of pain before childbirth. And then there's this weird euphoric joy that takes place as soon as you hold this one. I've gotten to witness that four times and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. I know there are difficult patterns for some here that have battled in this type of love, but generally speaking, the love toward your child is a great example of how God loves us before we were even a substance. One thing we need to be assured of, the actions of God are done out of love for his glory, for his glory. Whether it is eternal punishment or eternal life with him, it is done out of pure love for his glory. Remember, not one of us is perfect. We all deserve eternal punishment, but by grace he chooses those for his kingdom and he does this out of love. God chooses perfectly. Our job is to obey and surrender to his will, to his love for us. That is our job, not to fully understand God because we will never get there, but to simply love him because he first loved us. So God chooses us, loves us, and the third indicative in this text is that he predestined us for adoption. This means all, this means all of this was predetermined. 
Every single one of it. God in his word is trying to nail this point down. Remember, God in his all-perfect glory sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life with him. This passage from Paul is repeating John 3.16 but giving us greater detail that not only will we be saved by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but we have been chosen to believe it. We have been chosen because we are loved. We are chosen and loved because his, of his foresight and sovereign plan predestined us for adoption through Jesus. Again, look at that verse four and five there. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So God in his love chose us and predestined us for adoption And we can't miss the the adoption piece here. Remember, I started with God is the God of Jesus. The Father of Jesus. The only connection point we have is through Christ to the Father. But here in this text, in verse 5, it says this text ought to blow us away. It says God is saying not only am I Jesus' God, not only am I Jesus' Father, I'm yours. By way of adoption, Paul is awakening us to the concept of the eternal, holy, and blameless family. The complete, reconciled family. Holy and blameless. But wait, how in the world, Jer, and I'm asking myself this, how in the world can I be entered into the eternal family when, I, when I'm not blameless? I'm not holy. How does this even work? Because God cannot be in the presence of sin. Well, remember the imperative is on us is to be holy and blameless. Friends, God did this for us as well. There's a theological phrase that you must hold to. It's called penal substitutionary atonement. Right? Really fun, long word to say. Penal, kids, you can write that down. Penal, <laughs> penal substitutionary atonement, right, on, like right in there. Um, penal basically means penalty. All right, the penalty. Jesus fulfilled the penalty for us, for you and for me. Satisfying it in full. The penalty is in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So there's your penalty. Death. What does sin bring? Why do I have to, what is this penalty of sin? Death. That's the banishment of, Christ, of, of the Adam and Eve. They had to be banished or we would die. So God sacrificed an animal. Same thing here in death, in our sin. There's no way I can get into the family of God without this penalty being paid for. So Jesus pays the penalty for me. The substitutionary, that is a huge one. I love this one. I love it like crazy. Substitution, I, I played a lot of sports, so it was like either you're dog tired on the court and you're just going, coach, sub me out, right? There, there was a sub, there was an exchange that took place. Someone with a fresh body and a fresh lungs taking out, taking out someone that is dying and, and coughing up a lung, right? Substitutionary. Right? So the penal, the penalty has been paid for. Now there's a substitution. What is the substitution? Right here. It's otherwise known as the great exchange. Jesus' perfection 
for my imperfection. Jesus' righteousness for my unrighteousness. There's a great exchange that took place. There's a substitutionary taking place. Penal, substitution, atonement. Atonement is the atoning wrath of God. Atoning God's perfect, just wrath. He has to or he's not just. He has to pay for the sin penalty. And so he does it and Jesus literally steps in the gap and atones for us perfectly forever. Past, present, and future. This is the penal substitutionary atonement in this text. Jesus takes everything for us. Jesus is our substitute. He gives us his righteousness. He takes on our sin. And he atones the wrath of God that needs to be satisfied. You see, God's plan to have a people and creation to worship him, bless him, his name, and praise his name for all eternity is the accomplished redemption through Jesus the Son. Jesus has perfectly played out his role in the Godhead. Our role, I mentioned last week and I'll mention it again this week, our role is simply to receive three R's. You can write them down. Simply receive the gift of grace. Simply receive it. You've done nothing. Up until this point, you have done nothing. We have done nothing. He chose us. He blessed us. He loves us. He predestined us. He adopted us. All we do is receive it. It's amazing. And the second R is remember. Remember all these things. Receive it and remember it. Don't ever forget it. And then the third R is remind one another as you go out for coffee, as you hear each other's stories. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Build into the community of God's community, of God's family, reconciled family, that he makes us holy and blameless. Look at verse 3 and 6 on the screen here. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What are those spiritual blessings? That you're chosen, that you're loved, that you're predestined, and that you're adopted. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace. Through Jesus. What are we called to do in verses 3 and 6? To praise him. To bless him. That's it. It's just repeating the same thing over again from verse 3 to verse 6. Blessed be the God. To the praise of God. That's what, why? Because he chose you. He loves you. He predestined you and adopted you. I put this diagram, and you guys can draw it out. You kids, you can keep this on the screen now for a while so the kids can draw it out. Elle likes to draw diagrams. Elle, you can draw that, sweetie? No? All right. (laughs) All right, so Father, this is the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is in there as well. The Holy Spirit is the one that points us to Jesus. We see that in John chapter 14. You can read it on your own. But the Father and the Son... The son takes the role of the, of the, in the Godhead as the son, the propitiation for us to pay the penalty of wrath. And the only way that we get um, 
to, into that family of God, that big arrow around, is because of all the things that the Father does for us. The spiritual possession of the Father. Just like fathers, you watched your newborn get born and you instantly went to protect and provide for. The Father in heaven did the same for us. He did the same thing for us, yet far greater. He spiritually provided for us. He spiritually protects us through adopting us into his family and takes on all of your blame, all of your sin on himself as a good father would to his children. To take the blame because you're leading the family. That's what the Father, the Holy Father does for us. This is the family of God. The eternal, holy, blameless family that you and I get to enter into because Jesus did it all for us. So good. We're going to enter into a time of communion and praise. And I mean praise, right? When you see this kind of stuff, we got to sing loud. Right, family? See if you can sing louder than Elle. She really loves singing loud. We're going to enter into a time of communion and praise. This is a celebration of remembrance, what Jesus has done for us. The bread, it's hard to really call it bread, right? It's, it's a little tiny wafer on the top of that cup. Um, but that, that symbolizes, that little tiny wafer symbolizes Jesus' body hanging on the cross. It symbolizes his brokenness for us so that we get to enter into the family of God. The juice represents his blood that was shed on the cross, shed for you and I. Are you willing to receive it today? If you're willing to receive it today, then come and fellowship with us and partake in communion. If you are not yet, if you're just still holding off, that's totally fine. But talk to some of us. Ask us some questions. This is eternal. You're making eternal decisions, whether you're going to go, you know what, Jesus, I want you to pay for my sin. You can have that choice. Or you can go, I want to pay for it. There's only two options here. Either you let Jesus pay for it or you do. And we all know if we really do some digging that you're sinful. You don't have to dig very hard. <clears throat> so if you have a prayer request, so we're going to come forward and, and receive communion. But if you have a prayer request, I want you to do something a little bit different today. Tap someone on the shoulder that's near you. And let's pray for each other. Let's worship as the family of God today. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much. I can't say thank you enough. You fulfill the role that we look back and we see the garden and how hard that must have been. And you even said to your father, you said, if any other way, then just please take this cup from me. But you, you said, but your will, Lord. 
Your will, Father, not mine. I pray, Jesus, that we will all submit like Jesus submitted to you, that we will submit to you right now, that we will recognize that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and that you've done everything for us. You made us holy and blameless. You've chosen us. You've loved us. You've predestined us. you adopted us. And so, Jesus, as we celebrate, may we sing praises to you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we will love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.